When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is June, and I want to give a shout-out to all the wonderful people who go to Patreon.com and support Seth Lustig Bruce. Let's give a wonderful thank you to Jeff Ulmer, Sylvian L., Liz Brunson, Fernando Santamaria Lozano, Steve Vansack, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Dale Hosack, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. Thank you so much for being here and providing support. Because of these wonderful people, Set Lusting Bruce continues to happen. For now, on to the podcast. When I was... um like 13 or 14, like right before high school, I like to sleep late as many teenagers do. Sure. Uh, so in summer, you know, my, my dad was an early riser mm-hmm. and he would want us kids up and outside and, you know, not, not sleeping the day away. And he came up with the strategy to get my ass out of bed. That wasn't just pounding on my bedroom door. He would crank born in the USA at full volume (laughs) to wake me up to get my day started. And when I was at that age, you would think that I would like really hate and like resent that song because that was the tool that was used to get me to, you know, wake up. But even at the time I, I had to kind of say to myself, well, it is a good song. I do like this music, so I can't get that angry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. You just missed about 12 minutes of gabbing before we hit record. Uh, I am worried that uh, my guest and I may go long, but uh, luckily we checked and neither one of us have anything pressing. Uh, Joe, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, I loved you reached out to me and we're going to get to a little more specifics. I, I appreciate the nice words. Um, you're friends with Stephanie and Stephanie, and I just I adore their podcast. I think yeah. they are just so much fun and they were a great guest. They just were, they seemed to have a lot of fun. They had, they told me they enjoyed talking to me, so I hope they did. Uh, so that was really good. Um, you do a podcast too, so tell us a little about yourself. Yes, I, I do a podcast. It's called Play That Rock and Roll. I started it back in March of 2020 was when the first episode dropped. Uh, something else happened around that time. I don't quite remember what, uh, but (laughs) I had actually been planning to do a podcast for about a year before I started it. So I just happened to line up with something that left me with a lot of free time to do, to do it. (laughs) So I've been, you know, rolling with it since then. It's, um, we do about one and a half or two episodes every two months so or every month so it's not the most regular thing ever but uh you know each episode we do put a lot of care into it and uh some some of the episodes are my solo shows where it's just me talking about an artist or subject and some episodes are interviews we've had some good guests uh, in the last couple of years authors content creators recording artists and i also have 
my songwriter series with my co-host Chris, in which we deep dive discographies of so far songwriters like Bob Dylan and, and Warren Zevon. Nice. Um, I, by the way, um, I did a lot of podcasting in that year too. Um, <laughs> Why did we have so much free yes. time? What was going on? I can't uh, remember. <laughs> my, my wife has a theory. You know how some people say that your their knee will hurt when it's raining outside or, you know, something. Um, my wife says she has a theory that the more my life is out of control, the more I podcast. <laughs> that that is my like when she, you know, and, and so she, every once in a while she has to okay jesse like rein it in just just are you okay like you seem to be podcasting a lot what's going on um and i can't disagree with her i i think there is a not a grain of truth i think there's a lot of truth in that uh so well good well i uh look forward to checking out some episodes and uh i will uh hopefully return the favor when you need a guest oh Um, that'd be great yeah, so let's start out with, I always like to start at the beginning, talk about growing up. Well, where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to? So I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, lived here my whole life. And growing up, actually, one of the artists who was very prevalent in my youth was Bruce Springsteen. My dad is a huge Springsteen fan. He saw Bruce several times um, back in the 70s and and the early 80s the most famous springsteen show in milwaukee is of course the 1978 bomb scare show uh my dad didn't go to that one but he was at some other shows um in the mid 70s he has a story of seeing bruce up close uh in, in a theater show in 1975 or something like that so when i was a kid i would see not just the cds laying around but you know, his old LPs. So the name Bruce Springsteen was familiar to me, probably even before any of the music. Um, beyond that, like my mom was a big fan of Neil Young, uh, Stevie Wonder, Foo Fighters. So sort of that classic era of rock and, and also uh, R&B and soul. That kind of thing was what my parents listened to uh, when I was growing up. Um, what I, I later got into 80s music, and what was funny was they both, like, hated the 80s. <laughs> so when I when I became a fan of, like, 80s pop, they both gave me crap saying, like, we were there when this was new, and we hated it then. So that was my teenage rebellion. <laughs> that was my next question was, did you – it sounded like you – you embrace their music, but you also did. You went through a rebel stage. Um, I, I, I love that. And Penn Gillette in his podcast often talks about that he thinks rock and roll is about rebellion. So when he hears, "Oh, I love classic rock," he's like, "No, you're wrong. At 16, you should not love classic rock. You should be doing something that your parents hate. That is the spirit of rock and roll." <laughs> That is true. Um, And I I agree with that. And and it was kind of funny because when I was in high school, the bands that my friends were into were groups like Panic at the Disco um, and The Killers and Indie. And, you know, a lot of that stuff I have some appreciation for now. But in high school, that's what I felt everyone was listening to. And I just had a hard time getting into it. But uh, there, so I think uh, what attracted me to 80s music and also classic rock as a whole was the fact that my contemporaries, very few of them were listening to this stuff or even knew who any of these artists were. So the fandom was kind of personal. It was like, this is my music that I have that none of my other friends know about. Yeah. And I think that sort of thing is is very common for teenagers, too. Yeah, I think so, too. One of the things that we 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 change and do like my my parents, I grew up on country music. It just um, I and I I loved 
you know, like I embrace the fact that as I started growing older, I learned rock and roll, but I never lost the love for Merle Haggard or Hank Williams or Willie Nelson, right? Johnny Cash. Um, so yeah, there it, it is. And certainly when you're young, I'm arguing that we should listen to the AM rock station, not the country station, but I get that part. I get it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Can you remember, Joe, when your fandom from Bruce went from, oh, yeah, that's who my dad listens to, to, oh, wait, maybe this guy's got a little something. Yeah, it's uh, sort of a funny reason why. When I was um, like 13 or 14, like right before high school, I like to sleep late, as many teenagers do. Uh, So in summer, you know, my, my dad was an early riser. Mm-hmm. And he would want us kids up and outside and, you know, not not sleeping the day away. And he came up with the strategy to get my ass out of bed. If that wasn't just pounding on my bedroom door, he would crank born in the USA at full volume okay. <laughs> to wake me up to get my day started. And. When I was at that age, you would think that I would like really hate and like resent that song because that was the tool that was used to get me to, you know, wake up. But even at the time, I I had to kind of say to myself, well, it is a good song. I do like this music, so I can't get that angry. Uh, and so... As I learned more about Springsteen, I I don't know if I had like a moment where it dawned on me that he was beyond, uh, he he was more than just someone my dad liked. I think I just always inherently liked his music. Like, I I think when my dad would play his tapes or whatever in the car, I just subconsciously was like, yep, this is good music. Mm -hmm. And I, I never had a, I had, I definitely had a resistance to some of the other music my parents liked. But Springsteen was not the case. I just always enjoyed his singing and his music. So I don't know if there was ever a turning point because I don't I, I don't think I ever had a, a, like a negative opinion about him. Do 
is there a point and or is there can you articulate why you enjoyed him i think for me it comes down to that when this is subjective for everybody everybody has i think a different artist that they would say is like the core of like what rock and roll means to them and i think if you distill my music taste my philosophies on music down to its core you know what makes rock and roll mm -hmm. like singular rock and roll to yeah. me that's bruce springsteen okay everything else kind of is uh maybe right next to him maybe very close in that core but the absolute center of the genre again subjectively sure i would say is bruce the I, I like that. I, I like that thought a lot. Um, one of the things I just had, um, I, I had Robert Santanelli, who is currently the executive director of Bruce's archives. And before he did this job, he, he asked, you know, I, he was in charge with the rock and roll hall of fame. He helped build that. And I asked him, you know, with all the discussion and everyone discusses, you know, what do you feel about people saying, you know, why is, why is, why is Willie Nelson getting into the, you know, file Hall of Fame? Why Dolly Parton? And mm -hmm. he said, rock and roll is as much an attitude as it is a music. And so he says, Willie Nelson is as rock and roll as you can get. And yeah. I, 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 I kind of love that. I, I love that a lot. Um, so I always like, Joe, I like to preface this um, question with the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big a fan you are. A lot of that has to do with where you live, your economic situation, how old you are. Uh, you know, if you're a 60 something uh, guy that, you know, grew up in Jersey and, you know, in the 70s, good chance you saw Bruce a lot. Versus, oh, yeah. You know, I'm a 60 something guy that grew up in Louisiana, <laughs> you know, okay. not get a lot of chances. Um, what how about you? What is um, do you count how many times you've seen him? And if so, what's the number? Four. Okay. I've seen Bruce four times. Uh, first in 2008. Okay. And most recently, um, just two months ago. So let's talk about that. Um, you did, I thought, a really good uh, video review of the show. Um, so I'll start out with first – um, how much trouble did you have getting tickets? <laughs> and also, I am not going to ask the question uh, because it makes me mad. Did you have to get a second mortgage on your house? I mean, <laughs> yes, if you want to go to Madison Square Garden and be in the pit, you're going to pay a lot of money, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so uh, how much trouble was it getting tickets? So... I got lucky, in, in a sense, I, at least. Okay. They announced that he was playing the, the Pfizer Forum here in Milwaukee. And the morning that they went on sale, yeah. I had my computer, you know, queued up, ready to go. And I've been I've been in this position before for other shows where I've been burned and didn't get the tickets I wanted. Yeah. So I was kind of basically prepared to just be shit out of luck. Uh, so I, I logged in, you know, it, it put me in the queue, started waiting, and then suddenly I was in, and I immediately went right to the nosebleed seats, to the, the cheapest price range, and clicked the first four I saw off an aisle, and hit add to cart, and crossed my fingers, and it went through. Okay. Now, the cheapest price level for our show was uh was it like a hundred and eighty nine dollars or something like that it, it was almost 200 bucks it was basically 200 dollars per seat okay uh which was which was steep but i knew i had two friends that wanted to come with 
and I, you know, knew I could give the fourth to my dad if I couldn't find a, a fourth person to come okay. with. So, Good. okay. Yeah, but it, I felt like given all that we had read about the troubles with the tickets on this tour, I felt I had pulled off a coup. Okay. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't expect I was I was going to get the ticket. So I, I, I'm glad I did. But they were pricey and it was nerve wracking for a second. Yeah. Um. So. Overall thoughts on the show. Let's let's talk about it. Well, positive all the way through. Really just uh, it. All of my expectations were like met and exceeded, hmm. which I think is sort of the expectation for Springsteen fans. When you expect right. to see him, you don't just expect a good show. You expect, especially if you've seen him before, a show that's going to blow your mind. That's going to yeah. top pretty much everything you've seen before. And, you know, we've wrestled with that because he is getting older and a lot of his contemporaries are retiring. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not fair to put that expectation on him. Yeah. So I, I tried not to do that, but it didn't matter. Uh, in the end, it was worth every penny, worth all the hassle. And, you know, I, you know, loved the songs that he played. He surprised us with um, Death to My Hometown, which is a song I really like uh, from um, the 2012 album. Yeah, Wrecking That's Ball. one of my favorite songs of his from the last yeah. 20 years, you know. So that was a nice treat for Milwaukee. And uh, it wasn't of the four times I've seen him, this most recent one, I wouldn't say was the best because the best time I ever saw him was the first time. And I sort of think like that might be a common thread for a lot of Bruce fans. The first time you see him, that's something special. When was the first time you saw him? So the first time I saw him was in 2008. It was as uh, a part of Harley Davidson's 105th anniversary celebration weekend. Okay. Milwaukee has Harley Davidson here. And every five years, they have a big anniversary celebration party. Famously, in 2003, their 100th anniversary, they were going to do a surprise guest. And at the time, there were a lot of rumors thinking that was going to be the Rolling Stones or somebody like that. The surprise guest ended up being Elton John. And in 2003, that did not play for the Harley Davidson crowd. Unfortunately, I like Elton John. Yeah, I do too. But I could see how that's because you there's know, a mismatch there. Yeah, it's and just... also it because you know over the past few years there's that resurgent because of the film you know oh, yeah one's kind of going oh wait a minute this guy has countless number of hits you know yeah 2003 he's that guy that sang that song about princess diana right right <laughs> one of the things <laughs> which is unfair because i graduated high school in 77 and the first eight track i ever bought with my own money was elton john's greatest hits a track i'm oh. telling you oh, nice. I, right you know i <laughs> loved you know your song and all these you know so yeah that's 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 kind of funny so okay so 2003 it, it, unfortunately yes. it, it, it did just didn't play here and there's all kinds of reasons why one of the big ones was and i remember this i wasn't even following like music i was yeah. pretty young when this happened but i remember the rumor around town was the rolling stones but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. It was Elton. Didn't go over well. It was kind of it's kind of this legendary uh, mistake, you know. Here, so in two thousand eight, I think Harley was still sort of reeling from that uh, yeah. embarrassment. So they wanted the most surefire, can't fail. Everybody's gonna love this uh, artists, and that's when they announced Bruce. So. I knew my dad had seen him all these times back in the 70s and 80s. I had never seen him at that point, and that was the year I was first getting into concerts. So I wanted to go. My dad wanted to go. And then just cherry on top, the concert itself landed on my 20th birthday. Nice. So we we got tickets. We went. We, we, we just got general admission, but we were able to 
be in the right place at the right time. So when the VIP gates opened to sort of fill in the back end of that section, we were right there. So we were able to move up to the VIP area for a pretty good place to watch the show. Every couple of songs, Bruce would shout, Happy birthday, Harley Davidson. And I would cover my ears for Harley Davidson. And <laughs> just imagine he was wishing me a happy birthday. <laughs> and <laughs> it was uh, a great night. I mean, he for the first hour and a half, I didn't recognize a single song he played, but I loved all of it. And he went on for almost three and a half hours. It was just this just ridiculously long show and the weather was beautiful and the crowd was into it so it was just it was to this day i would that's still my answer for best concert i ever went to you know for a, a a multitude of reasons and going to that show with my dad who really raised me on this music and still loves springsteen he was at the same recent show that i was uh it was it was like a great father-son night too I, I'm looking at the set list, um, you know, um, and you got Wooly Bully as a cover. That's the, that was the first song he played that I recognized. Yeah. So now then, right, it's Gypsy Biker, Out in the Street, Radio Nowhere, Promised Land, Spirit in the Night, right? So that's good. Now, I had a similar issue. It wasn't my birthday, but I had... I've told this story multiple times, so skip ahead five minutes, listeners. Um, you know, I had been a casual fan. Um, certainly, like everyone else, had bought Born in the USA and um, the box set, and but kind of drifted apart. 89 was when we had our son. Uh, we were very active, uh, going to a lot of local bands here in Dallas. Uh Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, a band called Brave Combo, uh, which is a rock and roll polka band that's still performing. Sarah Hickman, who is a singer-songwriter. Um, so just different bands. And so kind of rediscovered Bruce and something was going on during the reunion tour. I couldn't go because of family re responsibilities. So in 2002, The Rising, I was going to go had tickets my wife's going with me our two of our best friends are going and i had bought the rising cd but i hadn't really listened to it much and i knew hardly any song i mean i knew nothing um and um but what i'd say is i felt like I had been dropped into a movie theater halfway through the movie and I could tell it was a great movie. I just didn't know everything that was going on, but I knew that I wanted to see the front part of that movie. I like, I, I was engaged. And so in fact, someone just recently um, sent me a bootleg of that show. And oh, I'm like, nice. and I'm like <laughs> going like, God, I wish can I can I go back in time and be this guy listening to that and know what songs I'm getting? So yeah, I get that. Um yeah. you know, one of my other fandoms is Doctor Who. And I the joke about usually your doctor is your first doctor, right? Like oh, you, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the one you get. So that's cool. There's something about like Saturday Night Live that's similar to that too, right? Yes. Like well, whoever your favorite cast is, whoever it was when you were 13, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. I do think there's a lot to do that. And uh, so uh, I think that's great. Um, the So let's talk. Um, you, you've talked about how much you love the show. Give me your thoughts on this last three albums, Western Stars, Letter to You, and then the covers album, you know? Only the oh well, the covers album really blew me away um, with the uh, the song that and he and he did it for us on um, on uh, this this most recent show, uh, uh, Night Shift. That that's a song that unfortunately, at least seems to me, has sort of been lost to time. But that's a song that I really loved. I have that in my collection, and I used to work at uh, a pizza place that was open until 
three in the morning. Okay. So night night shift was not only on our playlist that we would listen to while working, but it was very relevant. <laughs> that was your so yeah. song that definitely holds some um uh you know some meaning to me. Mm-hmm. And then hearing Bruce bust that out, you know, reminds me that that man is just a uh, he knows music, you know. It's so easy to think an artist is kind of only does what they do, but he, he has a, a really, when, when you, when you read about the bands that he likes, these are obscure deep cut bands that if you know them, you know, they're very good. So getting, seeing Bruce validate a song that I loved. And honestly, in these last couple of years had kind of forgot about uh, mm-hmm. was a real treat and I was just crossing my fingers that was going to be the one that he played from the new record when we saw him. And he did. And it, it sounded great. So I really love his version off of that. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I, I did. I do recall listening to Western Stars. Uh, and I and I enjoyed that just fine. I will say of the albums that he's done in the, we'll say past, well, post 2000, the one that uh, means the most to me is Wrecking Ball. Okay, that was that was a record that really uh, caught my attention and reminded me that he's still making good music because it's really easy to like forget your favorite artists are still working. <laughs> yeah, and that was one that kind of uh, reminded me that Bruce is still making stuff at a at a high quality because I. I don't really remember listening to much of like what was it working on a dream i think i i imagine yeah okay yeah Yeah, uh, the the beauty of wrecking ball is um i you know the there's a little bit of uh celtic influence in some of the stuff um some wonderful songs um in fact you know we were talking just before we hit record we've got that song knockout that by this time will have been released but um at one point it was a three three tie and jack of all trades was one of the songs against something really really also good and i was like because i love jack of all trades it just is just it is a wonderful song i was lucky enough um when my son and I went to New York to see him, uh, he did that with strings and that was beautiful. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, That's really good. Um, so awesome. Well, what, any disappointments in the show? Ooh, uh, well, uh, my buddy that, uh, I went with, uh, was late. So I had to go down to the ticket counter during the first couple songs to, uh, check him in. So I missed a couple of songs. That was a disappointment. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I could, I could still hear the songs and, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But no, cause it, I knew every song he played except for, he, he did one called, oh no, there, there were two he played that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I really like both of them. He did one called Pay Me My Money Down, which by the second verse I was singing along with, you right. know, because that's one of those that's one of those lyrics where like you hear it once and you understand like, oh, I know what this song's about. And I, <laughs> I'm singing along, too. And yeah. then he did one that I wasn't familiar with called Burn and Train. Mm-hmm. And that was also an enjoyable track. I think the only disappointment would be the disappointment, disappointment in quotes. Yeah. And a lot of us feel that his discography is just too big for one show. And the songs you want to hear, you know, don't make the set list. So, you know, I've seen him play four times and I've never seen him play Born in the USA. And to me, as a kid, that's what I thought was like his biggest hit that, you know, I and it it still is one of his biggest ever most recognizable hits. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I like that track. And, you know, I I know he doesn't do it all the time. And I've just haven't been lucky enough to catch him, you know, when he does. Yeah. um, 
pay me my money down is from the Seeger sessions. Right. Uh, yeah, which um, I would I would love to hear live. I am not I'm not a huge fan of that CD. Um, and I I talk about this too that <laughs> my issue is he doesn't play Froggy Went a Court in the way that my dad did, so therefore <laughs> this is wrong, right? It's just, yeah, yeah, because that's how I grew this up, and it just doesn't sound right. Uh, but. Uh, there was a little bit of jokes that people thought that uh, pay me my money down with all the discussion about the tour ticket oh. was may have been a deaf ear, but I would have loved to see it. Um, and, you know, Bernie, I didn't even think of that. That's yeah, great. And, and burning train from letter to you is one I did not get. But um, I, in both in Houston and Austin, he did if I was the priest, which okay. was was, you know, certainly something that you weren't expecting to get. Well, good. Um, so let's go back into a little more generic, Joe. Are there are there albums or songs that that mean a lot to you that that tend to be on the rotation when you're needing a pick me up or needing to feel better? Talk to me a little bit about that. The album Born in the USA is easily right alongside ACDC's Back in Black, my musical comfort food. Yeah. These are the two safest records that I like every single song on them. And if again, going back to that Harley Fest idea, if I just want to listen to the safest choice of what's going to put me in a good mood, something from Born in the USA. Uh, I, in particular, and this is probably one that's not, popular amongst the uh, Springsteen fans is I'm really partial to I'm going down. And I used to play that song. I used to include that song in playlists uh, for when I would have house parties back in college. Sure. And even though for the first couple parties, none of my friends knew that song after a couple of months of that being in rotation, that became one of our late night sale offs. Yeah. Yeah. And another one that was the case uh was Badlands. You yeah. Know, that's that's another one of my all-time favorite tracks. Yeah. But, you know, the the one-two punch of Born in the USA and and Cover Me are just such great album openers and it has that bombast that I think some fans aren't crazy about, but that's really what I'm all about. Like I like the the spectacle of Born in the USA. I like that it is a big loud some might even say overindulgent record i'm all about it and but on the flip side the record that followed it tunnel of love also really registers with me the title track for tunnel of love brilliant disguise these are two of my other favorite springsteen songs so uh yeah i i like what he was doing in the 80s and i like that i i would say that's fair for me to say for a lot of artists i like yeah um but i would say the the stuff that i think the most of is probably the born in the usa record because that was the one i liked as a kid you know that's the one i you know my dad blasted to wake me up uh within the summers and that's one that i've remained listening to all these years probably more than the others mm -hmm. do what do you um, what are you listening to now if you're not listening to Bruce? Well, with doing a podcast, unfortunately or fortunately, if you're working on a specific project, you know, you're 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 listening to the music that that, that project is about. Yes. So um recently I've really been listening to uh the, the, the last artist I I did a podcast about that was a solo episode was Ronnie Spector and Ronnie has some Springsteen ties and she doesn't have the, the deepest discography. It's, it's mm -hmm. not particularly expansive, but there's some absolute gold there, including the stuff she did with the e street band. Um, 
Otherwise, uh, outside of that, you know, episodes that I have planned and I have planned because I listen to a, just a lot of that music. Uh, this is going to be another left field one. Uh, Molly Hatchet. <laughs> oh, interesting. Which, yeah. This like every time I say that, whoever I say it to is like, what, really? <laughs> and like, yeah, because that's another one where like as a kid, well, I shouldn't say that. Not as a kid, as as a young record collector. I would see these album covers, these, you know, uh, like Conan the Barbarian looking album covers of Molly Hatchet and think this would just be cool to own. Who cares what's on the record? Mm-hmm. And I and I bought a couple of those. And over the years, I I started listening to them more often. And and then recently I, I, I saw them in concert. So I thought I should do a podcast about them because they're a band that really nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. And through that i've just been listening to a lot of of all bands molly hatchet and there's some good stuff there (laughs) you know it's not all gold but uh there's some stuff i like well what i find myself doing is like i just heard about your podcast so now i'm gonna go check of those podcasts and i find the time that i used to spend listening to money to music I now listen to podcasts, um, and that is and and I'm happy because I enjoy the podcast. They, it is something I really enjoy. But every once when I go, and that's life, right? If you choose something, means you're not choosing something else, and uh, that's it. So, um, I, something weird happened. Not weird. That's the wrong choice of words, but. I do a Babylon 5 podcast where we're going through Babylon 5 uh, in chronological order with two people that have never seen it. Okay. (laughs) And so um, I'm the veteran. They're the rookies. And when we did Farscape, they were the veterans and I was the rookie. So it's been a fun little change. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, but one of the things we'll do is we'll just randomly pick another topic. We'll say, Hey, we're going to watch devs and let's discuss it or the English, which was another series. And so I asked them to watch Western stars, the film um, to discuss it. And Karen liked it more than Lou did, but Lou who's from Canada said, now then you've got me thinking music have you listened to the tragically hip and i said no i haven't i said though i vaguely familiar with them and so he said well they're such a canadian band i want you to listen and i've really been impressed that i've been like how did they not cross over into the u.s right it, it 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 just was really amazing. I, I was just I, you know I I asked my buddy that like he goes it just it just never happened and and it's just weird. So it it's kind of interesting at times when you find that, isn't it? Yeah, especially with like Canadian bands. There's a lot of really good Canadian bands that never crossed over that I think should have. You know, bands I think of like, uh, or at least to the States, you know, uh, April yeah. Wine, The Kings. Um, and then for whatever reason, like the worst ones crossover, like who asked for Nickelback? <laughs> <laughs> or Justin Bieber. Come on. Come that's, on, Canada. That's funny. That's, that's yeah. very funny. Very nice. Good. Um. So, but I will say, I will say, I can echo the sentiment uh, about a lot of my what used to be music uh, time when I would listen to music is now filled by podcasts because you know working I work remote luckily and mm-hmm. I get to just as I'm working here at home you know have something playing and it's I I don't know it's hard maybe it's harder to get tired of listening to podcasts because kind of you can switch from one to another so I end up listening to music most of the time in the car and i have a basically a playlist that i i keep on my ipod i'm very old-fashioned i still have right. an iPod. yay and it is a ever-growing list of whatever song i stumble across if i like it it goes on the list and i will say recently i added a whole bunch of uh tina turner music to that list because oh. i recently saw 
the Tina Turner Broadway show in Chicago. And, you know, much like Ronnie Spector, just an incredible discography and maybe a blind spot for for some rock fans. Because Mm -hmm. she's been off the road totally since like 2009. And, you know, I've always wanted to see her in concert. So this Broadway show, which I'm not really a musical guy, I should I should say that up front. I was really drawn to going to see because I thought, man, how else am I ever going to see her music live? And it was it was a really good time. So she's definitely uh, in my current listing. Yeah, I will. um, You know, I I love because of the Brian Wilson connection and how much he was competitive with the Phil Spector um, and that those that wall of sound. Mm -hmm. It's just a great voice. And yes, you're right. There is that Springsteen connection uh, with her. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, Oh, yeah. So what's sex for the podcast? What else you got planned? Well, what do we have coming up? Uh, Molly Hatchet is going to be an episode at some point. Okay. Another oddball pick, but one uh, I'm into because he was a guest on the show is uh, Wang Chung. I talked to the lead singer of that band a couple years ago, and I've been meaning to do an episode about their career. That's a solo episode. The main thing, though, is I'm going to be continuing my Warren Zevon songwriter series with my co-host, Chris. Okay, tell me what that is. Yeah, so two years ago, we started a series, a mini series, I should say, called Dylan Through the Decades, where one episode at a time, we looked at Bob Dylan's discography decade by decade. So part one was Dylan in the 60s, part two, Dylan in the 70s, and so on. Well, last year we wrapped it up. We So we did six episodes of those all the way through. And we also interviewed a guy who wrote a pretty definitive biography about Dylan, a guy named Howard Soons. And we've done some other Bob Dylan content on the channel. And it was just so much fun and it went over really well that we decided we wanted to do it again about a different songwriter. We bounced a couple of names around, but... And it was my buddy Chris that suggested it. When he said um, Warren Zevon, I thought that's that's the right answer. And I've been reading two books about Warren. And we did part one, Warren Zevon in the 70s and part two, Zevon in the 80s. And we have two more parts to do left. So the next episode that's coming up for that will be Warren Zevon in the 1990s. That that'll be cool. Um, I I I'm a casual fan. I I bought the last CD. Uh, where oh yeah yeah that I really enjoyed that CD a lot. Uh, keep me in your heart and you know a couple other things. Um, you know there's going to be a vinyl reissue of that for Record Store Day this year. Nice. Yeah. And uh, like when Bruce does the cover of my rides here, I'm. Yeah my you know i think it's really beautiful so yeah that that'll be cool i'll have to check that out that's that's very cool um zivon is a guy that i said on the show that his lyrics are either going to make you bust out laughing or absolutely cry your eyes out yeah like it's it's one or the other Mm -hmm. and um so I don't know if you ever heard Bruce talk about that, where he said at some award show that if when Brian Wilson married his surfer girl, he had two sons, Jackson Brown and Warren Zavon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yep, I could, too. I like, OK, I- I'll go with that. That that sounds good to me. Well, it's all it's all that. Southern California 60s, 70s thing, you know. Yeah. And and I like that Bruce has a strong affinity for that. You yes. know, I, I know there's it's it's very trendy for we'll say uh music critics to um 
talk poorly about the Eagles, right? And in the same breath, they will praise Warren Zevon. Right. And that always cracks me up because the Eagles are all over Warren's records. And he was great friends with them. And they like, you know, did backing vocals for him. And Springsteen himself has at least some appreciation for the Eagles. Because I remember when Glenn Fry passed away, uh, Springsteen opened the show with Take It Easy. Yes. Uh, so, you yeah. know, it's it's cool. It's just cool to see those connections. It, it really is. Yes. Uh, so once again, what's the name of the podcast and where do you find it? So the podcast is called Play That Rock and Roll. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. But you should definitely seek us out on YouTube because I do a lot of other content beyond just the podcast on YouTube. I I will post video clips from all of our podcasts on the YouTube channel. All of my interviews are done via video, just like this one. Mm -hmm. And that's on the YouTube channel. Uh, we've done uh, some content that is like just for the YouTube channel, shorter videos, uh, like what one of the videos I did with Chris is sort of an extension of our Dylan series was we <clears throat> ranked all of Bob Dylan's music videos, Ooh. which is like kind of as a, a bizarre topic because he's not necessarily known for music videos. And that one was just a lot of fun because we're kind of riffing on on them. And, mm-hmm. and but but some of them are very good. So we're also paying tribute to like really well done uh, pieces. So, yeah, I like to do fun stuff like that over on the YouTube channel. But you can find us on social media. It's always at play that podcast. At I can never figure out how to podcast. put rock and roll as one word correctly. Right. Yes. So I just <laughs> I just decided to skip that and it's play that podcast. I love that. Um and I will now think of um because I went to high school in the 70s, play that funky music white boy. Yeah. Now going back to a high school dance. Um <laughs> Joe, Joe, this was amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I appreciate it. Uh any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Uh, yes. First, thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, without being too, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> cheesy, I'll say, I love what you're doing with this show. Because I think the idea of getting fans together to talk about the music they love is like one of the core things that podcasts allows us to do. And I just like the vision you have for this show. So it's a real treat to be a part of it. And I do have something for you. Yes. Because this is going to be a challenge for your okay. show. And uh, if, if somehow I can assist on this, I will. Okay. But I, what I have right here, for those uh, who are listening, is and watching a old yes. copy of an independent newspaper from Wisconsin called Bugle. And this was this is the original one from March 1977. And in this uh, newspaper is a interview with Springsteen. Oh, okay. But the guy doing the interview is actually a, how old is he? Seven-year-old kid (laughs) named Nathan King Schaefer. And the interview is very short. He only asks Bruce like four or five songs. And Bruce just kind of gives him some goofball answers. But, you know, you can see they took a photo together. Uh, This was published in this, like, lost-to-time indie newspaper here in uh, Wisconsin. I have no idea if this has been captured by all of the various fan Springsteen sites, so I don't know if this is already a known entity. But I stumbled across this not too long ago, and I just got a huge kick out of it. So if Nathan... uh, Nathan King Schaefer. Oh, geez. Look at me watching the name already. If that now adult man is out there, I think he would be an awesome guest 
for this podcast. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I Nathan, if you're listening, we got to find you and get you on here. That would be awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, all right, Joe. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, because you are normally listening to play that rock and roll music podcast, um, I end every episode with the Mary question. What this is, is Jay Armstrong, who is a recently retired um, English teacher. When he was teaching, he would give his class the assignment of reading Thunder Road as a poem. He would look at the lyrics, he would talk about the themes, and then he would ask them the question, does Mary get in the car? So Joe, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yes, and I hope that uh, you can tell me if someone has given this answer before, because okay. mine is a little. Mine probably will make some people roll their eyes, but That's maybe okay. this will connect with, this. with some people. Yeah, is in my my theory is that it's it's not when when he sings, "You're not a beauty, but hey, you're all right." That is a just a brutal line. And to me, it's a song ultimately about settling. Okay. And I think the narrator in that song is someone who knew Mary and um, it may perhaps turned her down, you know, or passed her over earlier in their life. But maybe some of his, the, the women he wanted to settle down with aren't available and they're both starting to get older and there's a level of desperation and almost pushiness on behalf of the narrator that I, I think is, is what's driving him not necessarily a real genuine uh, love for her. But I also think she's in the same boat and perhaps uh, not the most self-confident and she agrees to go not out of love necessarily, but perhaps out of, you know, fear of missing out, you know, concerns about getting older, you know, just the, the, the pressures of seeing maybe her friends and contemporaries going off and starting a family and all the normal human life <laughs> social pressures that people at that age might find. Now, I paint all this picture because I think what this ultimately does is basically serve as a prequel for what happens in the song Hungry Heart. Okay. And I think the narrator in Thunder Road is the same guy in Hungry Heart. And I think Mary is the wife that uh, he had in Baltimore, Jack. <laughs> okay, so no one has made that connection before. So you get... Hey, you get a tiny apple. No one's done that. I, I've had people say that you know, absolutely, she gets in the car, or else you know, uh, we wouldn't go on the ride that is born to run. I've had people oh. say that, um, absolutely, and in racing in the street, when he, they the line is she sits on her daddy's porch. That was the same porch she walks across. Uh, one of my favorites is that, um, yes, she gets in the car. They drive all the way to California. They set up a life, and Moonlight Motel is him mourning Mary's death. Okay. Yep. So um, about 60-40. 60% say she gets in the car. 40% say she doesn't. So um, my wife agrees with you. She thinks she hates the song Thunder Road. <laughs> thinks it's all about settling. Um, yeah. My, I have the theory that, and this is not unique to me, I've been told by other people that um, the line, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right, is because she's been saying, why would you want to see me? You know, you know, blank's so much prettier, thanks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, you ain't a beauty, but you're all right, right? It, you know, he's, he's addressing that because she brought it up. Sure. Um, other people did. I had uh the great Chuck Morgan, who is the voice of the Texas Rangers Stadium. 
and he joined. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we he talked about walk up music, and how all that is worked on. It was a great episode, but he says, "I'm telling you right now, my wife said she doesn't get in the car because anyone who called her ugly would not get in the car." <laughs> <laughs> so that is great. Well, it's a terrific question because it really does leave it open for interpretation, and I think my interpretation is just based on I think one of Springsteen's strengths is writing songs about like really inherently sad situations, very painful situations, but doing so in a way that it doesn't necessarily hurt to hear it in song. You can still be a joyful experience listening to a song about a very sad subject. And I I think that's a very tough needle to thread and really part of what makes them so great. You know, the, the, I think the river is a great example of that. Yes, Just like absolutely. A, a very sad, but definitely like reality-based song that a lot of people definitely connect to. But if you listen to the song, I, I think you could listen to it with a smile. I don't think you'd, you would have to go to a, a dark emotional place. Yeah. The other thing I love is... Um... I had someone, um, and I, I wish I could remember the name, but um, he said that it depends if it's the E Street Band doing it live, then she definitely gets in the car because the song ends so triumphant. And yeah, know, he said when it's Bruce solo, she doesn't get in the car because he kind of ends it with the na 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 na. So I, I said, I love that. That is great. Um, Joe, this is great. I, I can't wait to have you back on again. And if you decide something that would work out well for me to join you, I'm going to be that pushy guest and say, yeah, pick me, pick me, because I've had a blast talking to you. And I do appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, the, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do here is you know, connections and, and, and to bring people in here and talk about why music is important to them. And uh, so thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, so, likewise. It, yeah. it, this has been a real, a real nice conversation. It's uh, an honor to be in the uh, great lineup of guests you've had before me. Wow. And like I was saying, you know, this is why we do podcasts to make connections it really and and is. to talk about this stuff that, you know, I think in our own worlds, it, like at least on a, you know, personal level, maybe our, 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 our normal social circles are a little tired of this stuff that we like to talk about so much. Yes. So now, now we find the people who actively want to have those conversations. And yes. yeah, listening to your show, you are absolutely that guy. So I will definitely uh invite you on for something i i have some ideas okay so good. We, we will stay in touch and Sounds i appreciate good. you having me on all right listeners go check out the podcast go like and rate and review it it really does make a difference i cannot tell you how much but for now be safe be kind and we'll talk to you soon goodbye there we go another episode I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page 
and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.